What is up, Bitcoiners? It's your boy CK, and I have an awesome episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast today. I sat down with Diego Gutierrez Zaldivar, the co-founder and leading mind behind the RSK sidechain to Bitcoin and all of the other amazing infrastructure that is being built on top of RSK. It is really exciting to hear from RSK because I think that from a Western Bitcoiner perspective, it's just not the biggest project that people are talking about. But in the last few months, a lot of the applications that have been leveraging the RSK sidechain and a lot of the applications that support the RSK sidechain have been getting a ton of hype. And it is really exciting to see such a Bitcoin native sidechain like RSK with so many Bitcoin values associated with it and part of the team you know, really start to get grown out and start to pick up steam. It's exciting to see the decentralized infrastructure that they bring that leverages Bitcoin. Speaking to Diego in this episode, uh, it becomes really, really obvious that him and his team are Bitcoiners through and through, and they are building very, very Bitcoin native and true Bitcoin software and infrastructure. I think you guys are going to learn a lot from this podcast, and I think it's going to get you extremely, extremely bullish on what can be built on the Bitcoin centric or a Bitcoin oriented blockchain. So before we get into this episode, let's talk about the Bitcoin 2021 conference. RSK and Diego will be at Bitcoin 2021 and Diego is going to be speaking there. Um, It is going to be an absolutely fantastic event. I can't tell you enough. Tickets are flying off the shelves every single day. More and more tickets are sold. We can't increase the cap on our venue space. And we have very, very limited supply. We're probably close to 50% completely sold out already. And, you know, things are only going to ramp up as Bitcoin continues to break all-time highs. And as Bitcoiners continue to get excited about gathering amongst the best minds in the space, amongst all of their favorite Bitcoiners and memesters, all in beautiful sunny Miami this June 4th and 5th. So guys, go to b.tc backslash conference and get your tickets right now. Don't wait one second. Prices are going up. And trust me, there are not enough tickets out there for all the demand. Make sure to use Bitcoin Magazine special code SATOSHI, that is SATOSHI in all caps, and get 10% off of your ticket, either when you pay with Bitcoin on OpenNode or with USD or Fiat through Eventbrite. So promo code SATOSHI to get 10% off. Get your ticket right now. Go and check out RSK and Diego and meet them in person at Bitcoin 2021. Let's get into this episode. What is up, Bitcoiners? I am sitting across from Diego Gutierrez Zaldivar, the co-founder, CEO of Riff and RSK. Diego, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Oh, thank you, CK. Great pleasure to be here. You know, we we have a long uh, and and fruitful relationship with Bitcoin Magazine, and I love the quality of, of content you produce. So I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you very much and honored to have you back on and, you know, want to talk about RSK personally, you know, I keep a really close touch with things happening in the Bitcoin ecosystem and projects and different infrastructure that is being built onto RSK is constantly like coming back up in the news and is gaining a lot of traction. I feel like there's a lot of momentum for RSK. So I think this is a perfect time to bring you on the show and talk to the Bitcoiners. 
So I guess, why don't you kind of introduce like yourself and the high level vision for RSK because it is really Bitcoin centered and really trying to extend, you know, this amazing monetary ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we were born, I mean, when, when we created RSK, now it's in the hands of the community, but when we created the RSK blockchain, our vision was that Bitcoin could be extended into becoming the, what we think will be the financial system of the future. You know? so, and, and our vision was that that extension of, of Bitcoin would happen in layers. So, of course, the first layer was agreement settlement or what in the, in the crypto jargon we call smart contracts because you needed like decentralized agreement settlement and, and more complex interactions built on top of Bitcoin. And then we imagine in the original vision of this uh, layered stack of protocols, we imagine layer three of protocols that would provide scalability, other things that are needed to, to have a fully peer-to-peer financial system like data storage, secure communications, but that would rely on the, the settlement layer, on this agreement settlement layer to for dispute resolution and to enforce agreements. So, so we have this vision that we have been sharing since the late 2015, that Bitcoin is the foundation for a new internet, what we call the internet of value. And, and, and that's what we, ha- we have been building since then. It's like the first layer was RSK blockchain. We started in, in early 2016 to build it. It was launched in, in January 2018 uh, with 5% of the hashing power of Bitcoin protecting it. And now we have 60% of the hashing power of Bitcoin protecting both Bitcoin and RSK. And at times we, we reach 80%. So, so I think we, we have gone a long way into executing this vision of how to extend Bitcoin to become you know, a full peer-to-peer decentralized financial system. In that sense, it's interesting because unlike other pro- projects, it's like we always thought that RSK would be layer two to Bitcoin. We, we, we never intended to have like a separate token. From the beginning, Bitcoin was the native currency of RSK and the security infrastructure of RSK was the Bitcoin network. So, so that is, I would say, one of the key differentiators. All the value that is created in the RSK blockchain contributes to make the Bitcoin economy stronger. So, so we are in full alignment with the Bitcoin network. And that is different from other projects that have the round token on the, on the, on the blockchain or a separate Bitcoin, you know, security infrastructure. So that's a big differentiator, I would say. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was a very clear um, articulation. And I actually, I was at BTC Miami 2018 when you made a big announcement regarding launching the RSK blockchain. And I remember during the presentation, it was very clear, like Bitcoin's at the center and then around it is this kind of like RSK infrastructure layer. So yeah. I can, I, you know, from just from being at that presentation, it was always about Bitcoin. When we started discussing about like how to extend Bitcoin and and or how to bring, like create what we think is the fully decentralized peer-to-peer financial system. We choose Bitcoin for many reasons. I mean, we are Bitcoiners, the, the founders of RSK are Bitcoiners uh, for a long time. I've been building communities in Latin America since 
late 2012. I've been involved since early 2012 in Bitcoin. But, but it was also because we thought it was the, the path moving forward to, to build on, on solid foundations. It's like, if you want to have a financial system that will support the economy of the world, you want to choose the safest infrastructure, the safety, safest uh, security infrastructure. You want to choose digital gold as your foundations, an asset that is, you know, scarce, that, that has the, the biggest network effect. And, and those were, were the reasons why we choose to not to build a separate network, but to build a second layer on top of Bitcoin from the beginning. No? So, so many people say, okay, no, you are like doing hacks around the shortcomings of Bitcoin. And in our view, Bitcoin shortcomings are not shortcomings, are a, a decision, like a, an architectural decision. It's like, if you want to maximize security, you need to sacrifice scalability and, and functionality because the more functionality you have, the bigger your surface of attack, the more scalability also, you know, the, the, um, the less decentralization you can have because one of the principles of Bitcoin is like anybody can download the, the, the full node and validate the network by themselves. So if you have a blockchain that is processing, let's not talk about thousands of transactions, only 400 transactions per, per second, then you're talking about a blockchain that will grow a terabyte per year. So you're talking a blockchain that in a few years won't be able to be in the home computers validated in, by, independently by people. So it's, it's not only about capabilities, it's also about preserving this ethos of Bitcoin of independent validation, the, that famous phrase of like, don't trust, uh, you know, verify. And, and RSK is, is fully aligned in that, no? We choose to, to, to have Bitcoin as the native currency of the RSK blockchain. We choose to use the Bitcoin miners as the security infrastructure of, of RSK. And also we choose to keep this ethos alive. So we always are, are thinking how to scale, you know, payment processing, how to make this, the user experience akin to that of a neobanks without sacrificing this independent validation principle, this decentralization principle. That's why for us, the, the construction in different layers with different delegation of responsibilities is an architectural decision. It's not a hack over certain shortcomings. No? So that's why we build layer three as well. We build RSK infrastructure, what people know as RIF, because those are peer-to-peer -peer protocols that use the RSK blockchain to settle disputes or resolve disputes. But unless there is a dispute on the happy path, it's all exchange of information on a peer-to-peer -peer level. So the blockchain doesn't need to be bloated. You can scale to tens of thousands of transactions per second. You can have a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer storage of data, secure communication protocols. So I think this is architecture we build is like, is like a conscious decision. Is not a hack around shortcomings. Is is that we, uh, you know, embrace this delegation of of responsibilities. So fantastic. And I mean, I guess, can you kind of talk a little bit about like the where RSK is going? Like this kind of f future vision. Like, you know, what are you seeing now? Like I said, I've seen a lot of momentum around new projects popping up. We can talk about a few of them, but I guess what's like what what's the 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 bigger vision? 
Well, an another topic that was always present around RSK is that if you look at the interviews I gave at the end of 2015, I was always talking about financial inclusion, you know, and then and so our vision was always that of bringing DeFi, what, what now is called as DeFi, the same thing that now stable assets have a name back when we started. They didn't have a name, but we were talking of the importance of having stable assets, of having representations of the local currencies or, or currencies that were stable enough in the short term to operate, do business or preserve value for people who live day by day. But our vision of on financial inclusion is a little bit different than other projects that are like building systems for the poor or, or for the more vulnerable part of the society. In our vision, what we are building is all the components of a financial system, but built on rails, built on infrastructure that is so efficient that it, it can serve any human being on the planet, regardless of uh, their economic condition. So, so we were at RSK always like with these two goals in mind, it's like how we build on top of Bitcoin, how we extend Bitcoin to be a full financial system and how we make this financial system designed in a way that will be inclusive and, and available to anybody in the world. So those were our two guiding principles. So in that line, DeFi, it's, it was like the natural evolution of this. No, now, now we have the RSK blockchain is secure enough, 60%, I, I would say it's the safest smart contract blockchain uh, in existence. Then you have the peer-to-peer -peer protocols to serve all the adjacent needs to build uh, financial interactions, to have financial interactions. And the following step is you need the fin basic financial uh, services, not like the primitives of a financial system. So stable assets, that's where money on chain came. Money on chain, I would say, is the, the best collateralized stable asset protocol. It's like it survived the crash, the Bitcoin crash of early 2020 without any problem. And, and it's backed by Bitcoin. So you have a dollar denominated stable asset backed by Bitcoin, secured by a smart contract. So you don't need to rely on any third party. So, so it's like, you know, you're working, you have kind of a four knocks that it's based on, on programming rules, not based on third parties. And instead of having gold as the collateral asset, you have Bitcoin. And, and the protocol has been so good that, as I said, survive a crash of 50% of the Bitcoin price without a nick. It, it, it was like flawlessly running through one of the worst crash in, in recent history in Bitcoin. So what it implies and, you know, is that now we have a peer-to-peer -peer monetary system built on top of Bitcoin. So we don't need to go to a banking system. We don't need to go to anywhere. We just can use dollar on chain when we need short-term interactions. And those dollar on chains can be exchanged for Bitcoin at any time against the protocol. And Bitcoiners that are long-term can provide the collateral and profit from the appreciation, have an extra you know, income from the appreciation of Bitcoin. So those are like, that is like the fundamental building block. On top of that, you have protocols like Sovereign that are bringing the other primitives, financial primitives. They are bringing lending, they are bringing margin trading, which are complementary, you know, because the speculative economy needs uh, the, the loans in, in the stable asset they are leveraging, uh, on, sorry, on the asset they are leveraging from, and then people need to, to get loans on their Bitcoin without having to sell them. So 
when you see all those protocols building on top and, and then the, the different wallets on the RSK ecosystem, some are Bitcoin wallets that, that were, were integrated, like the Edge wallet, you see Defiant, you see Bixo, you, you see all these wallets that are creating also a support infrastructure for the end user, connecting with the on-ramps and off-ramps to the local economies. Then you see this financial system of the future, this peer-to-peer -peer financial system of the future becoming a reality. And, and that's why I think you are seeing this hype around RSK and the RSK solutions that are being born because now this vision we had like five years ago, now it's, it's becoming a reality. It's no longer a vision, it's something tangible people can use and people is using daily, for example, to send money from Argentina to their families in Venezuela. So, so now uh, that vision of a financial inclusive system is becoming a reality. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome to hear about how you know it took time for the infrastructure to be laid, but now that it's you know it's there, it's starting to kind of snowball, and it's really exciting to hear, especially about adoption stories from South America because. I think it's not a secret that South America, those countries, the citizens living in, in, in that region of the world suffer from bad money and they are constantly <laughs> grasping for dollars and they're constantly getting their dollars stolen from them, yeah. you know, in Argentina and in Venezuela, you know, across South America. So I think because of, you know, that reality, that sad state of things, there's an opportunity for permissionless peer to peer finance to emerge and that is exactly what rsk is doing right and you yeah. know would love to kind of hear more about you know that opportunity i i, I like one phrase like you know that i leave that i i've been traveling around the world uh, you know for well un until the pandemic for four years like all over the world asia europe latin america so i the, well the us as well like north america like browsing around what what the crypto communities around the world were and you know one thing that andreas antonopoulos always says is like when you go to the first world you have to explain why bitcoin no you have to explain why bitcoin is relevant because of course they well now you can say <laughs> nowadays you can say that even those financial systems are failing people but historically people in those systems were like well served no they they had like relatively stable local currencies they have access to financial services so for them bitcoin was like a, like an additional element to to their existing off, offering of services but when you go to the to the emerging markets you go to latin america suddenly you know you don't need to explain anything it's like if you have you know thousand percent inflation or a hundred percent inflation in your local currency there's no, I mean, there's no explanation needed of why Bitcoin is relevant. If you have corrupt governments that will steal your funds or log your funds in the banking account, you know, there's no need for an explanation of why Bitcoin is relevant. So I think that's why the hopes on Latin America, and I think this applies to other regions like Africa, you know, India, Southeast Asia, why the hopes are so high in how this financial new financial system built on Bitcoin can can you know offer a solution a safe haven for a population that currently has none. So so I think that's very reasonable. And then on top of this, you have the remittance problem that also as the, the local financial systems don't talk well to each other, regulatory frameworks are so 
despair. You know, it's very difficult, very costly. People sometimes uh, lose 10% of their money only to send money to, to families abroad. And, and that's also like, if you want to clear up for, for these technologies, no? and uh, that's already happening. Slowly, steady, but organically growing. Last month, for example, uh, activity grew 300% on the RSK network. So, so you can see this is, as you said, snowballing and, and becoming bigger and bigger as the friction between the local economies and the RSK economy, and, and also between the Bitcoin economy and the RSK economy starts lowering, lowering, and everything becomes more fluid. So I want to talk about you know that what you consider to be maybe the friction between the RSK ecosystem and the Bitcoin native ecosystem. You know, maybe for a lot of Bitcoiners out there, they know how to get their Bitcoin onto the Lightning Network. They might know how to get their Bitcoin onto the Liquid Network. I don't know if they know how to get their Bitcoin onto the RSK Network. Can you kind of talk about how the UX around actually getting your value onto RSK has been improving and kind of like what that looks like to participate in? Yes, I, I think the you know the, the the interaction between the the Bitcoin you know on Bitcoin on an RSK you know the, the the first way of having your Bitcoins on RSK was using the peg between Bitcoin and RSK, which is designed for security. And again, like I mentioned before, security come as a trade off uh, of usability and scalability. And it, the peg is, is no different in that sense because the Bitcoin peg to RSK takes around 15 hours to settle any, any transfer of value. So because of potential reorganizations of the Bitcoin blockchain and things that you, know, you, you want on a protocol level, you want to secure. So the ecosystem has been building solutions on top of this to, to you know, do some trade-off in terms of security, but give a better user experience. So the first ones to emerge were like centralized, fully centralized services like CoinSwitch or Liquality that they they provide you like they say, okay, give me your Bitcoins. I will give you smart Bitcoins on the RSK network, Bitcoins on the RSK network. And that's almost instant. No, Once the the first confirmation on the Bitcoin network happens, then you have your 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 Bitcoins on the RSK network. But of course, for the more hardcore Bitcoiners, they say, no, I don't want to trust anybody. I want to do this by myself. There are some tutorials to do that via the peg. You wait your 15 hours and then you have, you know, no limits in terms of how much, how many Bitcoins you can move from one side to the other. And now we are building like what is called the fast BTC that are, you know, less or more trust minimized protocols that are not as safe as the as the decentralized, fully centralized peg, but that they enable you to have maybe you know confirmations around 10 to 20, 30 minutes to, to move funds. And some of them are, for example, a version of that is integrated into Sovereign, still with cer- certain level of centralization, but we are coming up with a protocol that is even more decentralized and also where collectively different parties can provide the funds to ease up this transfer of value. So I think next month we will have a version of the fast BTC that will be highly decentralized, almost no risk for the for the person moving the Bitcoins to, to RSK and with some risk for the collateral providers or the liquidity providers on the other side of the protocol. So I think we'll see a lot of 
you know, increase liquidity on the RSK network once that launch, because then anybody will just go to a web page or through the different wallets and be able to have their Bitcoins on RSK in 10 minutes very easily and, and with almost no, no security risk. So, I mean, is that pegging, is that the process of pegging over Bitcoin or is that a process yes. of like an atomic swap? So it's not an atomic swap into Bitcoin that's already on RSK. Yeah, there are people doing also atomic swaps, but of course, atomic swaps have a problem that they, they have a limited win, like they have a window where if the atomic swap doesn't happen, your funds are locked and, and that window needs to be necessarily like even bigger than the than the peg timing. So so if everything goes right, you know, atomic swap is is great. It's even better than what we are ex discussing because you can have your bitcoins instantly. If it is not settled in the moment, then you know, and something goes wrong, then you might have to wait for a for a day until you recover your funds. So so I think you know what we are working around is how to manage this balance between user experience you know trust minimization and 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 i think that i think fast btc will be like the right balance for most of the transfers like if you want to transfer one two bitcoins three bitcoins you will use something like the fast btc the decentralized fast btc that is coming next uh, if you want to do more than that very likely you want to still you know wait for 15 hours and use the peg directly and, and have no no middleman or, or or intermediation. So yes. So but, but I think if you if you download Defiant, for example, one of the wallets in in the ecosystem, swapping BTC for BTC on Bitcoin for BTC on RSK is very easy. And what you were mentioning about the peg is important to understand that there's no creation of Bitcoins in the RSK network. It's like in order to have a Bitcoin on the RSK network, there needs to be one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin needs to be put input into the into the peg on the Bitcoin side. So each Bitcoin on RSK has you know full one-on-one -on -one collateralization with a Bitcoin on the Bitcoin blockchain. So they are always one-to-one. Just to like clarify to Bitcoiners, like how or where are the like the BTC keys held? You know, I'm assuming it has, you know, it's it's obviously held on an address in the Bitcoin network, but access yes. to that is probably controlled by hash rate. Is that correct? Yeah, the the current model is one that has uh, pegnatories that those pegnatories are running HSM hardware security models, so they don't have access. It's a multi-sig. And the pegnatories don't have access to the keys because they plug an HSM that is holding the keys. And if you open that HSM, the keys are lost. So basically what you have is the, the maximum security you can have within a multi-signature model with these HSMs. These HSMs do more than just sign transactions because otherwise you could, you could trick them into feeding them like uh, any transaction. The HSMs also validate that transactions that are, are being signed come from the bridge contract on the RSK network. Uh, and also they validate that these, uh, they validate the amount of, of uh, hashing power accumulated on the blockchain. So they are validating not only the transaction, but validating the, the hashing power if it's the longest blockchain and also if it comes from the right contract. So it's very, I mean, what pegnatories can do is limited to unplugging the HSMs. They cannot 
withdraw funds at will. They cannot sign arbitrary transactions. The, the, the worst they can do is just unplug HSMs and leave, render the, the peg stolen. No? So, so if that happens, another thing that is being implemented is a fallback system. So there will be two sets of pegnatories that if one do that, like unlocks, remove more than half of the HSMs, then the secondary pegnatory set will take over the peg and, and, and keep processing the, the transfers. And the other thing that is uh, being worked now is the hybrid OPEG, that is basically the, the miners, the Bitcoin miners also becoming signatories. So there you will have, you know, without changing the Bitcoin protocol, you will have the, the maximum security possible to actually, you know, move Bitcoins from one network to the other. And, and that is something that only RSK can do. So I think when that is implemented, the hybrid PoPeg, I would say there won't be any, uh, it's already a reality today. There's no other way, safer way to interact with Bitcoin and smart contracts than the RSK solution. But with this addition of the miners as signatories, then you will have something that it cannot be replicated by any other blockchain. It's like, you know, is, there's no way that Ethereum can do this level of security, for example, for RAP BTCs that RSK is, is going to bring. Although all the RAP BTCs in Ethereum are like, I would say, orders of magnitude less secure than the BTCs on RSK already, because all of them are trust-based, are, are based on federation. Well, they're IOUs yeah, from Bitcoin. Exactly. So or they're from... IOUs based, yeah on centralized yeah. parties. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm very familiar with the Ethereum ecosystem. I follow it closely, but at the same time, I'm, I'm always let down by the lack of adversarial thinking that happens there. But at the same time, there is very interesting things as well, especially kind of around, you know, infrastructure for doing things in the traditional financial system, you know, in a kind of more trust minimized way. You know, where do you kind of see uh, Ethereum or DeFi on Ethereum inspiring or maybe kind of as like a testing bed? Well, I, I think when we designed RSK, another decision we made was to use the, the Ethereum virtual machine, although we, we thought that in the future we would have other runtime environments like running in parallel, you know, because we think it's like this can evolve into also domain-specific environments. Like you can have like a language because this is all about the surface of attack, no? But but we thought that, so, so you want to have maybe other environments that are with a specific domain language for finance, and, and, and then you can reduce the surface of attack of very specific use cases. But we thought that the Ethereum community did a great job in terms of opening, you know, space for innovation and, and, and experimentation. And I think the results are, are in the open and as you say you know what we value from the ethereum ecosystem is the developer community that they created and all these new solutions like for example uniswap having the dex a decentralized exchange uniswap is a highly decentralized protocol you know and and, and i think that those are the very valuable contributions of ethereum to to the ecosystem and by using the evm of or supporting the EVM within RSK, what we did is support all this innovation to come to the Bitcoin ecosystem. So you can have, indeed you have already RSK swap is Uniswap ported to the RSK blockchain. So you have a fully decentralized 
exchange secured by the Bitcoin network and running with Bitcoin as the native currency. So you can have the best of both worlds, like Nick Sauer stated when he found out about RSK in 2015. No, it's like best of Bitcoin and RSK under one roof. In that sense, no, in the in the sense of you know security is like a good trade-off, no, security and functionality for a second layer. And in terms of Ethereum, I think Ethereum is, is facing a lot of challenges because on one side, Ethereum is already hit a bottleneck. I mean, they, they cannot go back. I mean, they already bloated the blockchain. The, 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 the proof of that is like you need very powerful servers to, to run like a validation node. So this concept of decentralization is already gone. I mean, in, in Ethereum, there's no way back from that. And their path forward is through ETH 2.0 that is changing the, the security model altogether, go, going from proof of work to proof of stake. So I think there will be certain use cases that will require the security of proof of work that will require, I mean, and mostly the global use cases will require like the, the security of Bitcoin behind and the proof of work security model. So I think Ethereum is transitioning. I mean, they, they are the first movers in, in DeFi and, and everything. So they traction a lot, a, a huge economy, but they are at the crossroads where they need, they are redefining their, their financial model, their security model. Also that re redefinition can be seen as a betrayal of key actors in the ecosystem because they are leaving the miners, the Ethereum miners behind. And then they are entering into a space where they will have to compete with many other contenders, because in the proof of stake environment, you already have EOS, you have Cardano, you have all these proof of stake protocols, you have Polkadot, you have like, there's a myriad of projects competing in that security space. So, so I think, you know, at the end, long term, of course, as you say, it took us some time to have the underlying infrastructure running, but long term, I think, Bitcoin will be the foundations of this central hub for the global economy, a peer-to-peer -peer global economy. And then what you will see is these POS systems to plug in and create interfaces with these core systems. So I think Ethereum will, will be very relevant because they already created a very healthy and growing economy, but they will have some challenges in the transition in the next two years. So I think, you know, we'll see how it how it survives that that turmoil that is coming their 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 way, and and today is not a problem because mostly because the bottlenecks create high fees and those things. But as Ethereum is mostly speculative in nature, is not a problem to pay thirty dollars for a transaction fees. But when you want to start like creating, you know, solutions that support the real economy, like you know day-to-day -day life needs, then I think it's, I mean, that's that's a problem, no? It's like, you cannot ask somebody in the slums to pay $30 per transaction because maybe that's what they, they earn in a month. Yeah, well, um, it's uh, the narrative around that is definitely nuanced. I'm kind of curious now, kind of transitioning, like, what, what do you think it's going to take for 
Bitcoiners in you know North America, Bitcoin in the English speaking world, maybe Bitcoiners who are used to having decent centralized financial infrastructure. What is it going to take for them to really start to appreciate the decentralized, the censorship resistant, the permissionless infrastructure that is being built? Because it does seem like there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there. Yes, I think, I mean, Bitcoin is getting to a scale. We were in a scale that was not a problem for the real powers of the world because we, we were exposing maybe half a percent of the population, less than 1% for sure. So, so it was not a problem for financial stability as seen by top governments in nations and, and multilateral organizations around the world, policymakers. So Bitcoin now that is reaching, like approaching a trillion dollars market cap and and you have all these like big names talking about bitcoin from elon musk to you know ceos of of top corporations and and becomes like a thing like the mainstream starts getting exposed to bitcoin i think there will be you know there were there will be fight back from from different and the fight back will come in in many different forms but the easiest way is like blocking all the the breaches you know between the bitcoin economy and the local economies like creating high friction high taxes like banning certain activities so i think you know with all the now everybody is excited because we have elon musk talking about bitcoin and and then lindsey lohan also talking about bitcoin so it's like is this all the celebrities are coming out exactly so we are getting all the celebrities but what comes after that is is a huge resistance from the incumbents and from the system. So I think we will go back to the roots. We knew about this when we started with Bitcoin many years ago. So so but we we lost in the in the in in the um, you know heat of the battle I think we lost you know that reality check of you know that we are disrupting some of the more powerful elements in our societies that is that is actually the financial system. So so there will be pushback. There's no way this is going to be an easy thing and a, like a peaceful thing. Where, And when you have that, having a stable asset that doesn't depend on banks, that is like fully peer-to-peer and, and based on, on a decentralized network, having the same thing for communications, a secure communications network, like kind of a, an incentivized Tor network, having a place where you can store your sensitive data that is not you know, relying on, on centralized cloud services run corporations. I mean, having all those tool sets, that, that's the RSK infrastructure, the Reef framework that we created, available and all that secured by the Bitcoin network, you know, I think that will be a very valuable tool, although it's not so evident now, but the time will come where, uh, where this like vision of because we need to realize that also the internet has become centralized. It's not only about decentralizing finance, it's also about decentralizing the internet. And, and there are some like end game point, you know, points of control. I think access will be the last place where we will have to fight the, the fight for privacy and, and, and decentralization. Because currently, if Google wants to make us disappear, we will just not appear anymore on the search results they can remove us from Google Play, same, same for Apple. So I think decentralization, it's a process and, 
And as you evolve and as you become more relevant for society, you need to go fighting different fights. It's, it's not only fighting the financial freedom part, it's also fighting the infrastructure uh, freedom, uh, the access freedom. So, so I think, yeah, I think that will be very relevant very soon, uh, sadly, because it's, it's not where, I, where we like to, to be working on, but I think it will be needed. Well, I mean, thankfully, you guys have gotten a, a pretty big head start in in building out that infrastructure over at RSK and with with Riff. Diego, I, we're getting close to the end of time. I want to give you a chance yeah. to give the Bitcoiners listening your final word as well as, you know, let them know where they can, you know, learn more about you. But yeah, the floor is yours, sir, to close this one out. Yeah, no, I one thing I want to say is like, it's not only us, we, we have like, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, no, in the sense that we we have, I mean, what we try to do is like, we don't try to reinvent the wheel, we we use the best technology available in the decentralized space. So I wouldn't say it's only us, it's like, we took a lot of good things from, uh, of course, from Bitcoin, but then also good things from Ethereum, good things from other protocols. Uh, and we try to integrate these in, in an ecosystem that can serve the users, like the, the real user needs. So. At the end, we are more of a promoter and, and somebody that is, you know, protecting the safetyness and certain principles and, and getting all this technology to make them easy to use for, for an ecosystem of fintech innovators or, or you know, yeah, the, the, the next wave of fintech innovators. Because I think the first wave of fintech innovators was based on centralized technology and they were ended up being eaten by the incumbents, by the financial incumbents, because they had to play in the in the with the rules of the traditional financial system so what we are doing is enabling that new wave of fintech innovators to have rails where they really can take the fight to the big guys in the financial system so i think that's uh, that's one thing like to be to stay humble to understand that we are not building this we are just like doing our contribution that is putting all this in an ecosystem that has a user you know user-centric vision preserving the ethos and the values of bitcoin and, you know, much like what we say with no coiners when we bring them to Bitcoin and, and we say, you know, this is, of course, people comes from for the value, no, the, the, for the price. But I think when we promote Bitcoin to others, we promote it because of the learning experience, no, because it transforms how you see the world, how you see the, the, the economy. And I think with this is the same. It's like for Bitcoiners, you know, come and test and, 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 and check out what's going on, on on RSK because it will transform your vision even of what Bitcoin can be. I think Bitcoin has done amazing things, has uh, break place, you know, path for, for, for many other things. But, but, but I think we need to, to revisit and see that this is an evolving ecosystem. So what we, the Bitcoin mutants, <laughs> the, the Bitcoiners that are trying to expand Bitcoin into, into something bigger, are, are working on that realm of, of, of uh, taking Bitcoin to its full potential. So, Yeah, I've, I've heard Bitcoin mutants before on this podcast from Eden Yago. So I'm still, I'm still thinking about that one. I, I, I like where it's going. Diego, thank you again for jumping on. Where can people learn more about you as well as RSK, Riff and the adjacent infrastructure? Well, I think, you know, for, 
for myself, I, I'm pretty active on Twitter. My my Twitter handle is Dieguito, like little Diego in Spanish. So <laughs> that's the easiest way to reach to me. And and then on on RSK, if you want to, you are interested on the RSK technology stack. RSK.co is is the place to go. And if you are interested on the on the reef economy, you can go to reef R I F O S. Dot org and and you can see uh, all the info there. So everything is open source. Everything is there. The community is growing. It's very welcoming. So so those of you interested, just reach out and 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 enter this new <laughs> rabbit hole that that is being created around Bitcoin. Like the op- the biggest rabbit hole being built around Bitcoin. So. <laughs> Let's go. Bitcoiners love rabbit holes. Start diving down the open source and permissionless finance version of the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Go check out RSK. Go check out Diego. You guys can find me and check out everything that we're doing at Bitcoin Magazine, at Bitcoin Magazine and at CK underscore snarks. And we are excited to share more news and highlight more of the exciting stuff that's happening in the RSK infrastructure as well in ecosystem. So look forward to a lot more RSK-oriented updates on Bitcoin Magazine. But until then, stay humble, stack sats, peace. (laughs) Peace out. Thank you, CK. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research. (music) 